0: that I would queen,
1: alright I promise no more
0: Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I am here once again with Rachel Jones to talk about this song, I'll Be Haunting You Off of Phone Power. Flipping this one final switch, I'm effectively ensuring that I will be shot into welcome back
1: thank you i'm so excited to talk about they might be giants again
0: yeah hell yeah i'm excited to talk about something off of phone power this is the first phone power song not only Ooh. i mean it'll be the first one to be released because it's the first one being recorded yep <laughs> who I'm, knows when
1: it'll be released
0: <laughs> you know
1: fall <laughs> sometime
0: yeah i don't know wait i know we, we probably discussed this last time fuck um what what was the f- so you said your dad was into stuff so there wasn't like because yeah. i'm coming in across a lot of you 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 youths uh who are like i think i think abby was the one that said foam power was the first album she heard and i'm just like oh. what I'm like what you know because <laughs> then it'd be oh, like oh yeah weird. foam power is my favorite album and most people would be like what are you, nuts? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, it's good, but, like, what? Who says that? And, yeah. like, lots signs times the first album you hear is your favorite. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the album as a whole? Because there was some talk about when it came out, I think, whether it was even, like, canon or not.
1: Yeah. I... God, I, I honestly have never really had much of an opinion about like the canonicity argument in general. Sure. Um and I mean, maybe part of it is because I'm like steeped in musicology conversations about canons where there's like resistance to the idea of a canon now. People oh, are like, yeah? no, we don't need we we shouldn't say like these are the things that like are more important than the other things. Um and so like I've I've never really cared as much about whether it's canon, um, but I I don't know if they call it an album I trust them basically like however they want to define what they're presenting. Sure. Although at the same time I've always wondered like why do they not consider album raises new and troubling questions an album? Um,
0: yeah. Like, you know, I've spent so much money on the MOP Giant stuff over the years. And I've bought every album that it came that has as it's come out, but I did not buy phone power right when it came out because mm-hmm. uh frankly, I mean at the time actually I wasn't um I don't know, I wasn't like uh hobnobbing with as many like fans f- around the world as I am now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know, is this an album? I don't know, it's like dial of songs, like I don't know if I just kind of assumed it was like you know demo quality stuff or whatever because i uh i mean i like a lot of music and they might be giants are obviously my favorite band but i guess there were some songs i'd miss i'm like i don't know what these songs are i don't know maybe i'll get it later and then i got it like a year a year after i'm like oh okay they're calling it M. all right um it wasn't like i was throwing any shade on it but i was just like oh it's another collection they put out fucking collections every year yeah. You know, like like yeah, album raises, you know, new and troubling questions. It's like there's always some collection I'm like, oh, it's probably just some like group of songs that they didn't think were good enough to be on an album, or they're just, you know, whatever. Uh so I didn't get it right away. But now they've done it again with my Murdered Remains, so they now yeah. have two albums that are songs put out and then collected. Um but I mean they're songs that haven't appeared on anything else. So it's not a collection like those other ones.
1: I feel like for people who care about like the integrity of the concept of an album as like uh, an experience that you follow from the first song to the last song, I feel like they're probably still thinking about that as they put together these songs, Mm -hmm. even even if it's a compilation of songs that were not necessarily written initially to be on an album together. So to me that feels like it's at least somewhat valid as an album cuz they I, I can't imagine that John Flansburg does not have opinions about the order of the songs on Phone oh, Power. Uh, like it's it's something that I'm sure he thought about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, these guys think very hard about everything. I'm sure it wasn't just slapped yeah. together. And I think even every collection they've ever put out, I'm sure they had a hand in where like I've I was just listening yeah, to absolutely. uh a podcast called discography about the who and like the whole concept of the podcast is through um do you ever go to the site consequence of sound no it started out as a blog and is a pretty legitimate um music website now and so they have a bunch of podcasts and this one like the whole concept of it is that they only focus on the studio albums like, they don't talk about the live albums or anything else. But this right. guy who hosts it, this is the third season, but he he admits, like, right off the bat, he's like, the Who were my, face, my first favorite band. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as it goes through their history and how complicated it is, he's like, okay, we pretty much have to talk about live at Leeds. Or we have to talk about this. And they're talking about all these... This happened a lot in the 60s. All these bands where the label would just throw together, you know, a collection and put yeah. it out. And they have no say over the cover art or anything else. Like the rights, the rights to the songs and the rights to whatever else were a lot more in control by the label. But these guys, right. I think right. even back in the Electra days and when they were on labels, that they have always maintained some control. I doubt they were ever signing any contracts that, uh, let them be out of the loop like that. Cause yeah. Fl- Flansburg, especially it seems like it's very, um, he's got that iron grip on the, the image of the band and like, it also, the business end.
1: It sounds like that was part of the tension between them and Electra as things were going South with them. And Electra was questions of who should have control over the image of the band. So yeah, I can imagine yeah. that that was something they were trying to be conscious of.
0: Yeah. 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 So yeah. So those collections. Yeah, I actually don't own a physical copy of um, album races, new and troubling questions either. Mm-hmm. And I was I actually just put it on my Amazon wish list. I'm like, someone will get me that eventually. Because um, <laughs> yeah, in making the, the spreadsheet for this podcast, I was going through his compilations. And I'm like, wait, is there other stuff that's like snuck in there that? wasn't properly released anywhere else and i'm like shit the other i'm like there's a lot of fucking stuff or like alternate versions like the brass versions of stuff and i'm like okay yeah there actually is a significant chunk of stuff on here that is probably you know i should own a physical copy of it what kind of fan would i be if i didn't
1: there's also, like, there's stuff where people seem to consider the live version from Severe Tire Damage as, like, more of the version than the album version. Because the, the two that bug me, because I like the album version. The, so I, I hate the way that people prioritize the Severe Tire Damage versions of uh, uh, First Kiss as opposed to Another First Kiss from Mick Carr. I like yeah. Another First Kiss more. And then I like the slow version of They Got Lost more than the live version that's, mm. like, more upbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an interesting thing to me, too, where some people prefer those live versions.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, it, it, at least, you know, you can say that that makes their live albums worth buying, and they've been giving yeah, some yeah. away for free, too, is that they're not just playing them like the album.
1: Right. And,
0: and the fact that, yeah, my friend Missy, who was on the um, Why Does the Sunshine episode, she was signed up for um first kiss or she signed up for another first kiss and i'm like well we'll we'll just we'll talk about both right i mean that makes sense <laughs> um and so i'm excited to talk about that one she said a lot of stuff going on though for me to record that but um it is cool that they have stuff like that oh and the black ops episode like i was able oh, yeah, to talk about right. both versions of that which are significantly different yeah. And it, th- that's definitely a cool thing. And I'm sure, you know, keeps them interested in their own songs a lot. I agree. Longer. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so that dynamic of like alternate versions of th- songs, I think also makes it more complicated to think about whether something is or isn't an album, I guess. Yeah. in that question, like it's all tangled up together.
0: Yeah. They, they definitely weave a complicated story and, yes. I think someone needs to make a second documentary on them. I was just talking about this. I'm like, that was 19 years ago. Yeah. I mean, they've had a whole other career. Most bands don't last 19 years, let alone... What are they going on now? 35?
1: Yeah, they're about 35
0: years, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my... Dial a song magnet right here. This is 1983. I was born in yeah. 1981. So I can't say I was a fan at two years old, though. I'm not that cool.
1: I was a fan at two years old.
0: Well, you but had help.
1: But not everyone can be. I you did. Had,
0: you had help. <clears throat> My dad got me into Bowie, so so there. I had cool music at home, too, just not. He was a little <laughs> old for the college rock of the 80s. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was too young for the college rock of the 80s. <laughs> uh, the elementary school rock of the 80s. <laughs> otherwise known as Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. That
1: was my <laughs> elementary school rock, too. Yeah.
0: Hell, yeah. So, okay. So, let, let's agree yeah. that it's an album. Phone it's an power. album. It's an album. Ta-da. So um So, but the story behind it, I mean, I guess, you know, we shouldn't always assume that everybody listening knows this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was their 19th album, and it was compiling songs from the 2015 Dial-A-Song. So people that may have jumped in late and know about My Murdered Remains, that came from the 2018 uh, Dial-A-Song stuff. So this was a similar idea, 2015, and then Foam Power came out March 8th, 2016. Um, let's see, is there something else I'm missing here? Oh, I didn't realize this was, digitally, this was the first one they did that was a pay what you want album.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, Radiohead actually was the first, that in Rainbows, I remember when that came out and it was like, you could pay nothing for it if you wanted. I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? So this is long before like Bandcamp. Like every yeah. little band puts their stuff up on Bandcamp. It's like pay what you want, and then nobody does because people are jerks. But for Radiohead to do that, I was like, damn, these guys got some balls. They're just gonna be like, oh, we we know we're worth money. You you could pay for right. it if you want. Yeah, crazy. So yeah, they might be giants first to pay what you want, which is cool. So w- is this your favorite song on Phone Power?
1: This is my, oh, I don't know if I quite want to say this. It's in my top three, they might be giant songs.
0: Uh, Of all of
1: them? Yes, of all of them.
0: Dang. Well, okay then. Uh, So (laughs) then what's the deal with it being shoved down at track 12 on this thing? You're just talking I about Flansburg like, being, you know, the I, sequencing I know, is important. The
1: problem is, the problem is that I don't really think about sequencing because I don't really listen to albums in sequence. So it's, it's never something that I've really thought about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, Cause I, de- the way that I have listened through their albums is that I go through all of them on Apple music once. Cause I use Apple music instead of Spotify mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um spotify is for my school playlists um <laughs> and apple music is no <laughs> when you study music you literally have to like separate your academic music from your like personal music in order to like live i pro it's yeah
0: um what if my professor looks at my spotify no. place and sees i've been listening to they might be giants
1: no it's instead just- <laughs> of classical music it's it's just because I don't like to have things that I listen to for school messing with my plays for my personal music. It bothers me. <laughs> um, it, so um, I listen through their albums on Apple Music, and I just download the songs that I like enough that I think I'm going to listen to them a lot.
0: Oh, ah. um, so you're not paying for all of them? I see.
1: Uh, oh, I I mean, because Apple Music, I'd actually technically don't pay for them. I just pay for the. Uh,
0: subscription um
1: Mm. yeah and and so i i do that and then i go back to the album a couple of months later because usually once i have listened to the songs that i like from the album there's like something about the sound of the album that i do appreciate more from the stuff that i didn't like the first time Mm -hmm. so like i do think that i kind of experience that concept of sequencing but i mostly listen to just individual songs on repeat or in
0: playlists, you kids. No, it's been like that for <laughs> a really yeah. long time. It's yeah, it's weird how that happened. Because again, like I don't know, I'm such an old guy. I and I and even even with my age, I feel like I was born too late. I feel like like so much of my favorite stuff is from the '60s. Or I wish I had been like at least like if I'd been in my 20s, like when they might be giants came out, like that would have been yeah. that would have been key. Uh, but like like back in the '60s and 50s especially like singles were where it's at kids could only afford Mm -hmm. to go out and buy a 45 and then they'd have two Mm -hmm. songs and you know if they mowed along that weekend maybe they could go out and buy a full lp and (laughs) then it was albums for so long uh and then it went back to singles like in the mid aughts i feel like or something i mean itunes definitely was Mm -hmm. a big part of that but i've always like and i'm still buying cds I I buy records, but mainly I buy CDs because I—I mean, fidelity-wise, they are the best medium. No matter what anyone tells you, records are cool and everything, but CDs have the best uh, EQ range and possible. They can store the most possible data to give you the highest fidelity. Anyway, um, and but I think a bigger part of it is that I've been in bands for two-thirds of my life at this point, and I've put out a lot of albums in various bands, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm usually the one. I'm usually the Flansburg in my groups having to do all of the non-music stuff as well as the music stuff. I just finished booking a tour uh, for Doppelpopolis, but, like, sequencing albums, and we're about to release a second EP. You can see uh, our grid. This is the stuff that still needs to be recorded. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got drums, bass, rhythm. So got some v- backup vocals. That still something to be recorded and stuff like that. But that is not in sequence. And so that's what we're trying to think about now. And I'm thinking about yeah. as the producer, I mean, not only am I the one making the sequence, but I'm the one that's mixing and mastering the whole thing. So I'm already thinking about ways the, so- ways the songs are going to link up and how they're going to sound one right into another. You know, I mean, we've got three lead singers, you know, they've got two Johns, we've got three lead singers. So I got to think about how in six songs with three lead singers, uh, how those are going to alternate. You know, we don't want Mm -hmm. two two Tim songs in a row. We don't want two Fast songs in a row. Uh, There are some songs I play drums on, some songs I play guitar on, and it makes it very complicated. Um, And you want it to flow well. Now, on a track listing, looking back at Foam Power... Um, I mean, typically, if you're making a full length, you want a strong closing track, but typically your best songs are going to be in the first four tracks. Yeah. You might have a good one, like, around track seven or eight. I mean, they might be Giants are a little different because their albums are so long. I mean, even the, you know, what you go back to Flood or whatever, 19 tracks. So here they've got 18 tracks, and when you get to the end, you've got you've got uh a destiny's child cover you've got uh the black ops alternate version like those are all down those are near the bottom mm-hmm. and i'll be haunting you is not far away from that so like the way that they put black ops and bills 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 near the bottom definitely is like okay we're just we're just tacking these on like yeah, that, that's absolutely. how it comes off to me so um so it makes me think that they Might Be Giants do subscribe a little bit to that—that that, you know the biggest, best songs are going to be in the first four tracks, or for them since their songs are so short, maybe the first six tracks. But yeah. it's not—it's not always the case. Yeah. So you say "I'll be haunting you" is not only your favorite song in the album, but one of the top three was was uh, "We Want a Rock." At one of the other top three. No. 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 Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where you scored that one. Do you remember?
1: I, I feel like I said like nine point eight, nine point. Oh man, because
0: that was my I, second ten. <laughs> that was my ten. That was a big I don't remember me.
1: exactly. It, I gave it a high nine point something. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't remember.
0: So, so I mean, but what's cool is that there is so many different kinds of they might be giant songs. So many yeah. different styles that, like something that they like, Flansberg might think that "I'll Be Haunting You" is awesome. I mean, it's a Linnell song, but he he might be like, "Oh, this this should be a hit," but I don't think the masses will appreciate it as much as yeah. "I Love You for Psychological Reasons" or whatever else.
1: I mean, because I, I one of my things that I like feel very strongly about "I'll Be Haunting You." It would be an amazing concert opener, I think. Um, mm. uh, like they come out on, or, or maybe like opener to the second act, like they come out on stage and then like, you just get this immediate sound in a really powerful way. Um, like I, th- I think it would be a great way to like kick things off, but it's not popular enough to get the fan reaction that they would want to kick things off for an act.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's without even getting into the lyrics yet what do you like musically about it you're talking about how good it would be to kick off uh, a portion of a set what's uh let's talk about the arrangement and musical elements of it
1: i mean so you know how loud i am about how much i love danny weinkoff Uh (laughs) (laughs) and i i think that the the bass groove in this song is killer like it's amazing. Uh, and I love the way that it interacts with the guitar, too. Yeah.
0: Because, um,
1: mm-hmm. like, the only way that I really like to listen to this song is with my headphones in. Because um, it's it, like, surrounds me when I'm listening to it. And it's this amazing experience of just, like, the instrumental swirling mm-hmm. and then Linnell's voice kind of just, like, on top of it. Uh, and then his background voice also like participating (laughs) with the instrumental and like swirling around. It's it's an incredible, like something about the way that they mix it gets at what I want to hear from them more than a lot of other songs are mixed. I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah. Like they,
1: they bring out the instruments in the way that I want them to. Yeah, Yeah. The way,
0: yeah. The, the guitar part, a lot of the, I think most of the guitar part is played on single strings It's not Mm -hmm. just or at least what I assume is Miller's guitar part um, is kind of like a palm muted thing on little on single strings, which bass players typically are playing single strings. So they're kind of weaving together with like the one like it's almost like Miller's playing like a higher kind of little bass line while Danny's playing the bass line bass line and they do kind of go together like that.
1: No, it's amazing. And I also, I'm such a sucker specifically for the the last guitar lick that probably Dan Miller does at the end of the song. Um, I, I don't have it in my ear enough right now. It's like literally on, I have to go look at the lyrics. Um, um, literally on the line, like, when you look up, you'll remember me and then I'll be haunting you. There's this mm-hmm. like, swirling guitar thing that Dan Miller does that's just oh I lose my mind every time and it makes me want to listen to it again basically
0: Yeah Yeah it's it's haunting a little bit yeah it
1: is it it is and for someone for someone who like listens to music on repeat it like i i think that it holds on to you enough and makes you want to go back and listen to it again so that you can get to that like final moment again and experience that oh it's amazing it's so good
0: yeah yeah
1: it's so like mm.
0: Yeah, the baseline is is great, and I was focusing in on it more since I knew you were going to be talking about it specifically when I was listening to it today, and how there's, like, a couple little riffs that Danny keeps coming back to. Like, there's, like, the signature... Yeah. But, but then there's little variations on it, and uh-huh. I was... I think, I mean, maybe intentionally, he didn't want to settle into, like, an exact pattern of riffs, because I, I was trying to listen. I'm like, is he cycling through, like three or four different riffs in some sort of pattern. I don't know. Maybe you've cracked the code, but like there's this one that he would always start a chorus with, um, but then would play around with other variations that didn't seem to come back in any um, intentional way. Like it felt almost like he was just having a lot of fun with it in the studio. And it was just like, I'll just dance around this one thing I got and uh and it all sounds cool,
1: <laughs> yeah, no my my general sense with his riffs is that he has more of a set idea in verses, and then each chorus he'll like mix it up a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah,
0: yeah, it's definitely adding to the i mean it's a it's it's like counter melody counter melody caliber bass lines where. Yeah. Like if the if the vocal melody was bouncing around more, it mm-hmm. might kind of get in the way. But since you yeah. just got these ah, it, and it kind of goes underneath that, it's got there's, it leaves room for that kind of uh, counter melody to go underneath a sustained vocal.
1: Absolutely, and as we talked about with "We Run a Rock," I love counter melody, so it's like <laughs> very much my jam.
0: Oh yeah, it's this, uh, this low end. Low end instrument people, we we get used to to rocking the harmonies and stuff. And exactly, come come to like that. I <laughs> I remember specifically like a pep band song. I remember doing uh, "Rock and Roll All Night" by Kiss in pep band, and. You know, the trumpets have the melody and whatever. They've got the... And that part's cool and everything. But I was like... I was was like, yeah, that's the part. That's the good part. The part I'm playing, that's the good part.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this song just has a really good groove throughout. I mean, Marty's, Marty's drumming is just real... In the pocket. I mean, he's got some really good fills and stuff. There's nothing super showy about this song, but I mean, I I don't think in this case that you would want it to be. I agree. Go, Marty. Go, Marty. Go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about this with We Want to Rock, but as far as before getting into actual vocals, like are you a fan of the guy, the John's, how they harmonize themselves? Like Linnell will sing his own harmonies on his songs and flans will do his own. Or do you like when they come in on each other's songs? Oh, better? Do you have a preference?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, it depends on the song. Um, cause for me, as I probably mentioned while talking about, we want a Rock, like, the vocal is more of a timbre cause I don't really pay attention to the lyrics that much.
0: Usually. It's funny how many people um, like that are coming across.
1: Yeah, no, like I, I liked, and it's probably partially just cause I'm such an instrumentalist, like steeped in just band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right.
0: Right. And,
1: and so like I, in, in this one, I definitely appreciate that it's Linell cause I, I like that he's like layering his own timbre in really interesting ways. Yeah. Um, and like it it took me a, a, a lot of listens to even parse through everything that was happening because i think partially like his harmonizing of himself like it layers yeah. in a really interesting way
0: yeah and he'll do it differently like the last chorus the the way the melody and sits on the harmony is different cuz yeah. yeah i was like singing along with it and then i noticed i was off on the last one i'm like wait oh this one's different yep um yeah it still has that same feel but there's just a slight twist to it uh yeah see i'm 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 always conflicted on this because i think when it comes to most other bands i like hearing i mean i like knowing that all the members are involved with stuff and like for example like i said doppelpopulous like we have all three of us have been frontmen in bands and we all write songs we all bring songs to the band and we will sing lead on our songs that we bring in but then we harmonize on each other's songs Mm -hmm. like our guitarist well he's a drummer on some our other guitarist johnny he uh has been real busy with some stuff uh, for work. So he hasn't done his vocal parts yet. And now I've done my lead vocals and I could have just gone ahead and like come up with harmonies for myself, but Mm -hmm. that's not the way that I preferred in bands that I'm in. I want him to not only sing the harmonies, but to come up with them. Like I might be like, Oh, this part might be cool to, do something but i'm gonna leave it up to him because i kind of like that surprise and i like the the two timbers going together um you know i mean it's the same reason that like the the low end in in orchestra isn't just gonna be you know 20 cellos there's gonna be the string bass there's gonna be the bass clarinet there's gonna be the trombones there's gonna be a lot of low instruments yeah co- covering that that certain thing like it could all just be all one instrument a bunch of them but it's the difference the blending that i like that said i do think linnell in particular i there's something like deliciously crunchy about his voice when it gets really reedy his voice yeah. getting really reedy like just sitting like a tight like third on top of each other of his his voice together that just is really satisfying to me so i'm conflicted about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, i get that.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um but i i do love it it almost is surprising in a way sometimes when you'll hear them outright harmonize each other. You'll hear them <laughs> do like call and response with each other a lot. Yeah. Um because, I mean, I think it could come off kind of weird if, like, you're going back and forth with yourself. So right. they'll have the other guy do it. But on occasion, you will hear them stack harmonies on top of each other. And you're like, oh, that's the flames coming in on top of Linnell. <laughs> an and, it, like, it's almost like novel in a way because they, they rarely do that. Even way back since day yeah. one, they've been doing their own harmonies. Yeah. I don't know. I just found that kind of weird, and I always like th- through the years finding out how separately they write was weird to me, because mm-hmm. um, I always kind of assumed that they, not necessarily that they just jammed shit out together, but as a duo, yeah. you think you picture like, you know, Lennon McCartney, and there's like. Oh young chaps just like strumming together in a room, and then they put both their names on it, you know, Lennon and McCartney, yeah, <laughs> even when those guys did start writing separately, they were still putting Lennon and McCartney on every song, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> in this case, like it's a Linnell song, it's a Flansburg song, it's a Linnell song it's a flansburg song it's 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 odd to me, but I've been in a lot of bands. I've never been in one that operates like that, really, and I've never been a solo artist. So this is almost like two guys that are solo artists that just really vibe the same way and then uh-huh. just kinda like come together to do the songs. But it's it's maybe that's why they have so many songs. <laughs> I was two, gonna say and maybe two extremely prolific solo artists that have teamed up for the good of maybe mankind. Maybe that's how
1: their career has lasted as long as it has too. Because they collaborate just as much as they want to, but right. also both want that space. Like Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it, it it works out. I mean it, that the that they've got you know their taste um, and the aesthetics are so in vibe, you know, and even through the years, just all the growing that the band has done, that they've managed to grow together while still writing separately, mm-hmm. um, is kind of amazing. Because you'd think it'd be like at one point. Flansburg would be like or you know in some other band maybe Flansburg would be like oh man boss of me that was a huge song i'm gonna go just do like a whole power pop album now mm-hmm. i mean and he did do i mean there was like you know the Monopuff and did state songs but like you know one of them could have been like well i'm really into this now and the other john would be like i don't know and then like that's the end of they might be giants you know yeah, but they've yeah. managed to like do their little weird tangents and stuff but still sync up enough while writing separately to still i mean i don't i don't know how they pull it off i mean hell yeah the, yeah i I was in a band that lasted a decade and outdoor valor has been going eight years but i've never been in a band that's gone 35 years
1: <laughs> no it's it's it, fascinating Someone should write about them.
0: Uh, someone, <laughs> well, <laughs> someone in St. Louis, maybe. I'm just picking yeah, a yeah, city maybe. at random. Just a random uh, yeah. city. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, have you, um, on that note, if you if you do even want to talk about it, but have you narrowed down like the elements of of them that you will be talking about? Because I know uh, you, you guys get pretty specific at that that level of academia. We really, do. You, you hone <laughs> in, not just on a band, but uh, what element of them is fascinating you to write about.
1: Yeah. Um, so since I haven't talked to my advisor about it, this is very much not set in stone. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly on a the podcast. Reason... That means it's yeah. forever. Exactly.
0: you Your stuff.
1: A fan podcast. Oh, well. Um, but no. So the, the thing that made me want to realize how good of a topic they would be for me is that they like fit a lot of the different things that I want to do with, Writing in academia um, that might otherwise not be able to fit in a dissertation together. Because, um, on the one hand, I'm interested in like film and television music, mm-hmm. um, which they have done a lot of. Um, yep. I'm interested in writing about. Like pop music as a genre and how like weirdly nebulous it can get, which uh, I think that they are a great illustration of. Yeah, um, I'm interested in like fandom and ethnography to some degree, and mm. so like the the way that fans have formed their identity partially around they might be giants and the way that the ways that they come together, um, and then. There's another part of it too that I'm. Oh, and like gender is just another thing that I'm interested in. And so like masculinity and they might be giants is something that I will probably also end up talking about. Um.
0: Yeah. 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 Nice. Have you listened yeah. to so Have you listened Have you caught up on all the exclusive episodes?
1: I have. Dude, grad school. Literally that's like my May is listening to like
0: the rest of your
1: podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, there's a lot. I don't know if you've listened to the miscellaneous trans episode.
1: Oh, I'm really excited. That's like one of the first ones I'm listening to.
0: (laughs) We definitely yeah, we'll be doing a part two, if not more, because we just started cracking the surface. I mean, that it was a very fun crew to record with and while it could have been like a very Serious and kind of uh intellectual conversation, which it was mm-hmm. um and it was very enlightening to me, especially but it was just a very fun vibe, and just really just the love for the MP Giants and how they're a band that like I instantly recognized like when I started the Twitter account, just finding all the people that were fans searching hashtags and stuff, trying to find people fans of the band, just like how many uh rainbow flags and rainbows and all you know stuff about pronouns and everything just a lot of very um a lot of people in the lgbtq spectrum (laughs) and a very i mean it's hard to say with a rock band like as a man it might be like oh yeah they've got to have at least 50 percent female fans but that that may not be the case but i think for a rock band they appeal to men and women and everybody in a way that kind of, it covers all bases. It's not like, I mean, it's not like with heavy metal tends to skew towards male or like, maybe like some acoustic rock might skew towards female um, fans. They somehow are covering like this whole, maybe it's just how they dabble in so many different things. As well as th- their lyrics.
1: A big part of it, I think, is that like seeing that size of the LGBTQ fan base is kind of like the 2019 version of their 80s fans as like the marginalized, like nerdy yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that they've carried on this this legacy through their whole career of like standing out to people who don't feel like they fit into some group or another right. um, Right. and don't feel represented by some group or another.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just looking at them on stage, we're like, these are some normal dudes. Yeah. You know, like you look at them, they're not putting on some like crazy outfits or, or fronting some sort of, like leather jackets or some shit. Like, like I understand, like, I, you know, I'm into a lot of bands that like look cool or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of pop stars that really have, you know a cool look male or female they're like really put together they got a whole vibe going a whole thing but it's also kind of like whoa you like put them on a pedestal you're like man that's like that's some crazy shit right there like yeah that's yeah. that's not me that's not me that's like someone to watch and listen to it's not me well you look at they might be giants and you're like damn i don't think i could write a song like that but those guys kind of look like me <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, know, you yeah. know they're just normal dudes
1: yeah, they're accessible.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, you want to talk about lyrics in the song, despite saying you're not a lyrical person?
1: I mean, we can. <laughs> I, I honestly, this one, I, it's. I don't want to say straightforward exactly because, mm-hmm. like, I I don't have any sense of who the speaker might be. I don't think it's Linnell. Um. But I don't know whose perspective he might be speaking from instead.
0: The 1993 throws me like
1: yeah, same. That,
0: <laughs> that makes you really want to hone in. I'm like, okay, like what was going on in that year with the New Giants, or what was going on in that year in general? I don't know. I mean, the oath you swore in 1993.
1: I feel like part so- <laughs> of it though is like if if it's talking about something way back then it's like why is this an argument that you've been holding on to for a long time that you're just channeling into something um like yeah i don't know if reading it as from his perspective makes sense in that way Mm -hmm. um but at the same time yeah there was definitely a part of me when i first like actually looked at the lyrics today where i'm like hey wait is this from (laughs) Linnell's point of view i don't know
0: (laughs) right like, 93, because then I was thinking, because uh, I, I came up, like, Nirvana was a huge band for me when I was a kid, mm-hmm. Um, like, 10, 11 was when Nevermind came out, yeah, 10, and I was like, wait, did Cobain die in 93? He died yeah. in early, he died in early 94, but yeah, just thinking about, I was thinking, because that 93 stuck out to me, and we're talking about someone who's dead and is going to haunt somebody, and he was the first one that came to mind. Now, I don't think that that uh, that sticks, I mean, especially because the year, well, I don't know, you could swore an oath in 90. Well, it's the person that, that didn't die that swore the oath. I don't know. I'm I having trouble figuring out the the narrative here. Yeah. But it's got the awesome Linnell wordplay, and I love... Just the the way he describes dying. Um, well, flipping this one final switch makes a thing like it's someone being electrocuted, right? Or put mm, to death, mm-hmm. right? Put to death. Um, overcoming all resistance, long after my long after my remains have been vaporized with extreme prejudice and shot into outer space.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, I think like if. If you're wanting to read it as him being electrocuted, it is weird that, like, he's effectively ensuring that he'll be doing this. Like, that makes it seem like it's his own, like, agency that's deciding to do this, not, like, him being executed or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah, so, yeah, you could say... Yeah, metaphorically, you're flipping a switch on yourself. Mm-hmm. Again, could work for Cobain. Uh, unless you think that Courtney Love killed him. There's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he's going to haunt Courtney Love? I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking to it no, you now. You know, they have mentioned Nirvana's song before. Can you stop, please? Talked about Nirvana on the You Don't Like Me episode. They mm. have brought up Nirvana before permanently sky written in the ashes of my incinerated legacy. This is stuff I can see again. I'm, I'm, I come from an instrumental background too. And like, I make Cara write all the lyrics for out of the I'm not good at writing lyrics or I'll write stuff and she'll edit them severely and help me with it. But I could just yeah. like the evocative nature of these, the, the word choice here is just unbelievable. And yeah. whatever the narrative may be, you can enjoy it strictly like on phrase by phrase basis.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's really great at coming up with, like, catchy phrases that you just, like, replay those words in your head. Um, like, yeah. No, he's a good wordsmith, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, the sound of the words together. Like, again, yeah. I'm so fixated on timbre and about how it sounds is more like an instrumental thing, but, like, the sound of the words he does a good job with.
0: yeah. Yeah, and he always makes sure when he's got a l longer notes to hang on that he chooses mm-hmm. a vowel a vowel sound that he likes to yeah, whatever will work best for the song. But yeah, the musicality of the lyrics is unbelievable. Like um I don't know if you listened to the communists have the music episode yet.
1: I did, yes. <laughs>
0: That whole I've been handed an uh, and ran sandwich straight from the can. It tasted so bland. Like just yeah. the just stringing together those words. Like I feel like it would take me like a fucking month to like come up with something that clever. And be <laughs> like, wait, that was just one line.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's great with assonance. I think.
0: yeah and I just think about how many songs they've written Mm -hmm. and like if I wrote a song with lyrics this good which is track 12 on their 19th album I feel like man I gotta save that (laughs) I gotta I gotta save that that's too good like I can't I can't put this many good lyrics in one song I'm I'm using them all up I yeah (laughs) I feel like a single They Might Be Giants album is like more good lyrics than I could ever hope to create in my lifetime yeah oh I'm very jealous. Yeah. I I wish I had, I think I've picked up some of Linnell's timbre. My kids, my students, um, I have several times. I'm always listening to them in the classroom and then my band will come in at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, is this you? (laughs) Nope. I guess I sing like Linnell probably. Thanks for thinking
1: it's me. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, thanks. Um, Maybe Flansbury, but I think more Linnell. And I I wonder if just me having grown up singing along with MIP Giants Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. caused my singing voice to mutate into something that is like that. Yeah. Um, But I don't think lyrically I've picked up any. I mean, Mm. (laughs) I appreciate the lyrics, but I don't think I've, I've, uh, by osmosis, have um, captured any of that yeah <laughs> that power there i just can't can't just regurgitate Linnell style lyrics because they're just not you can't regurgitate something that's that uh well put together i wish i could <laughs> so there's a reference to the telltale heart i believe oh it's like in the second verse or if, i guess if you go to the third verse uh you're the and you're the one. You're the only one who hears the sound. Telltale uh-huh. beating floor kicks on this unreleased remix.
1: <laughs> oh, that's. I didn't even catch that. I love that
0: kicks remix. Phoenix. Yeah. I like that. There's a reference to Telltale Heart in the same line as talking about an unreleased remix. Like it's two, like so different types of. I mean, you've got like literature and then you've got like a remix like generally associated with pop music right in the, in the same line
1: yeah god that's amazing <laughs> Oh,
0: yep <laughs> So, uh, did you, you know what? I didn't even look for if there are any good live versions of this song. You know, sometimes with with the older songs, I like looking for those live versions that the new band does of the older songs. But I feel like a lot of these, they just kind of play them pretty straight up for most of them. I don't know if you've heard any good live versions of this. I haven't
1: found a live version. I don't know if they did one.
0: Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's no. Because
1: it's not listed on the wiki.
0: Yeah, it doesn't say how many times they've played it live. I mean I mean they had a music video for it, you'd think it'd be something they'd play.
1: Well, cuz they had a music video I think for every Diala song though.
0: In this in this iteration of Diala song too?
1: I think so. That's I'm not, crazy. I haven't I haven't looked into it. And some of them I'm sure it was similar to like the um more low-key ones that they had from this year.
0: Right. Right. Um, um Oh, the video, the video is directed by Paul and Mike Swiatek, who were two of the winners of the uh, Am I Awake video contest oh. in 2014. So, it's a reappearance. So, yeah, if you win one of their video contests, then then you're, you're <laughs> in. You're in, and you can do more. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if they performed it live, and I don't know if they just didn't think that it would be popular enough to make it worth it or what.
0: That seems like for you for you, Danny stands. That's like that would be a key key live live song.
1: I know, I know, it really would be. It's it's <laughs> it's one of the two. Danny stands. Um,
0: did, are, well, are you talking about Belinda being the other one because she is nuts oh, for? Did you listen to the Australian <laughs> exclusives?
1: No, I I haven't listened to any of the exclusives.
0: <laughs> she basically like goes on. Like talking about how essentially how turned on she is just by Danny stomping his foot. <coughs> and I'm like, okay, calm down, Belinda. Oh, like, hey, at, least, cool at least I am
1: keeping my thirst strictly musical. <laughs> um,
0: She's like, and those red pants.
1: Oh my God.
0: I know, it was hilarious. She's like, yeah. I didn't know I could be so turned on by someone tapping their foot. <laughs>
1: No, I will, like, I'll Be Haunting You is, is one of the things that prompted me to make my, uh, oh, what did I name it? I have a playlist of, like, Danny heavy <laughs> songs or, like, yeah. bass lines that I like. Yeah. And it's um, Always a Slut for a Good Weinkopf Bassline. <laughs> and it, it has yeah. 74 songs on it. Like,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: I go hard for a good bass line. And he's been in the band yeah. for long enough that, like, a lot of their music is that. Um, yeah. But I'll Be Haunting You is like a particularly good one.
0: Danny, yeah, he, he very, just over the course of this podcast, going for a few months, has gone from a great bass player in my favorite band to just being like one of my favorite bass players. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy because he never, he never saw himself as becoming a bass player and now he is an amazing bass player.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating to me because yeah. he, has, he has such a good ear for it.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, there's no covers that I could find. I think though, it's time to score that the song. Hell yeah! So we already know it's in your top three. So I'm not going to assume though. What, what are you going to give it out of ten?
1: No, I would. I would give it a ten. All right. <laughs> yeah, I would give. I, I mean, I would give all of my top three a ten. So like, it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're you
0: three 10s three tens out of eight hundred songs or whatever exactly. they have.
1: Exactly a lot more good. than that. Yeah. It's a ten.
0: That's that's cool, and I I love that my guests pick the songs because this is one that I mean, like I admitted to before, I didn't even like rush out and buy Phone Power right away. I mean, yeah. it was like a year later, and I'm like, okay, I guess it's an album. Why don't I own it? Okay, now I own it. So um, yeah, it, it came to me in kind of a weird way, and it sits in kind of a weird spot for me. Not in any negative way, but it just kind mm-hmm. of has uh, it's. Yeah, actually, like, is it an album? Okay, it's an album. Okay, I'll buy it. And <laughs> this song, you picking it, has. Helped me to just you know hone in on it more because there's just so many songs and yeah. by the time I got phone power a year later like then they were kicking out another album so then it just got kind of you know swamped a little bit underneath the the new stuff but right. this yeah this song the groove is amazing and especially just becoming more and more a fan of Danny I wish, really appreciate it for that but I gotta say I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go straight up. S- I'm gonna go six point nine mm-hmm. on this one.
1: I mean, you're wrong, but whatever. You're, yeah. you're
0: fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a pretty unique uh, song to be in the top three. But I think props to you for that. I mean, you know, I love Doctor Worm, but I mean, I've it's uh, it's not like it's a obscure track.
1: yeah i mean that's not why i pick it obviously but i don't just like to be a hipster who likes the thing no one else likes
0: yeah right uh okay so uh uh, you you've promoted your academic endeavors to some degree is there anything else you'd like to plug uh
1: i mean you can check me out on twitter check Uh, her
0: out yo miss bluebeard
1: Underscore between Mrs. and Bluebeard. Oh ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Very Mrs. crucial. Underscore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was so salty that someone had already taken Mrs. Bluebeard when I tried to tried to change it to that, but right. it's what you get. Yeah. Uh, so, but so yeah, has, check has out Twitter.
0: How's Mr. underscore Bluebeard?
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, they <boy> <laughs> um, Although... Well, <laughs> i I feel like I should point out that you assumed that there was that it was mister <laughs> as opposed to another
0: uh oh oh. Although, oh I'm so not woke
1: no, you're not um, <laughs> yeah,
0: back in my day no. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm not that old, not yeah. that old I'm uh, in grad
1: school, there's no time for any other bluebeard. <laughs>
0: You know, I'd say if, you know, really, then there's all the, then. The, I mean, there's plenty of politics, social politics around just Mrs. and Ms. and Miss. I mean, that whole yeah. thing is weird. Yes, it maybe, is. Maybe you should go by Ms. Bluebeard. Ms. Bluebeard.
1: <laughs> just
0: so, you know, <laughs> nobody can assume, hey, you know.
1: Oh, man. <laughs>
0: is, she t- is she taken? Is she not? I don't know. Ms. It's all just, you know, there's the mystery. Oh, the whole thing's Incredible. weird. The patriarchy, it's a weird thing.
1: The joke's on you. I'm ace. Oh, well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I th- I, th- I think we should call it a night. I'm obviously yeah, delirious. No,
1: and I should go to bed.
0: <laughs> it's late. Yeah, I should go to bed. I got school tomorrow. All right. So it's good to talk again. And then we'll, we'll do another episode. Stone Cold. We'll get to that one eventually maybe come in a year 2020 (laughs) yeah patience there's a lot of songs and there's a lot of time no
1: it's all good
0: it's hard though too i want to get them out because i look down the list i'm like oh man that one i want to hear that one but (laughs) it's just i'm just buried you know with that let's call it a night good night everybody yay yay please join us on twitter at this might be a pod Facebook.com slash This Might Be a Podcast. Email me, This Might Be a Pod at Gmail, and you can leave voicemails at 224 801 2930. If you really like what you're hearing and you want to support the pod, please visit us at Patreon.com slash This Might Be a Podcast to uh, donate and get some exclusive content and some merch. Thanks again for listening, everybody. That rises like a phoenix from the ground. I'll be haunting you. I'll be